The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. to the Barcelona Blood Runners podcast. My name is Josh. Today, I am joined by Matt Wiltsey, editor at Managing Madrid. We talk about how Real Madrid handled the opening of the COVID-19 outbreak, um, how they handled pay cuts, player interaction. We talk about whether Real Madrid is actually favored by the league or whether that's just some uh, some storyline stuff to talk about while things are down. Uh, we discuss the return of Eden Hazard and Marco Asensio, how that will impact the remainder of La Liga season, and we get his thoughts on how he thinks Real Madrid will do the rest of the year. Matt, how are we doing? Josh, doing well. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, um, it's been a minute since we've talked. Uh, the last time we talked, we, we chatted about a, a 0-0 El Clasico draw, and since then, a lot has happened, obviously. Um, I wanted to have you on to talk about kind of how Real Madrid have been doing the last few months, um, kind of the preparation heading into the return of La Liga and that sort of thing. So I guess initially, um, in your you know, viewpoint, how did Real Madrid kind of handle the initial COVID-19 suspension of play and training? Like how did the club as like a, as the image and brand that it is handle things? Um, and do you think they did a good job? Uh, yeah, I, I do think they did a good job. Um, I mean, Im- almost immediately, one of the Real Madrid basketball players had um, contracted the virus. And so they shut down everything. All the players obviously began training from home. And that was before Spain even implemented uh, the lockdown protocol. Uh, disinfected Valdebebas, which is a training facility. and But I think most importantly, and what fans and socios and uh, all those associated with the club are proud of is the fact that uh, they use the Barnabeu as um, a, a facility that hospitals and doctors could use if they needed and donated supplies and players like Sergio Ramos donated um, thousands of dollars worth of supplies to hospitals. So all of that um, really left kind of a good feeling uh, and it was obviously a positive impact and a good image for the club. Did you guys have any players uh, call out, uh, you know, club officials during uh, like for pay cuts or anything like that? No. So, I mean, obviously, we must saw, be nice. Yeah, must, we saw what happened with Barcelona and uh, Atleti. But with Real Madrid, that, that did not occur. Um, obviously, the club has pretty much under Florentino Perez's guidance has been renowned for just how well um they do on the financial end of things. And so they weren't forced to take an ERTE. They weren't forced to um, really implement any pay cuts until maybe a couple, two or three weeks after Barcelona and and Atleti, if I'm remembering correctly. And uh, there was no issue with the teams. I think they resolved it pretty quickly. Ramos and Florentino. Ramos represented the team and Florentino uh, just confirmed what what the cut would be. I think it was 30%, and they moved on from there. 
Wow. Uh, I guess maybe that's why, because I, <laughs> I was thinking last week, I was, because uh, I talked to um, Danny from the uh, Black, White, and Read All Over the Juventus blog, and I was thinking, like, you know, who else could I check up on, kind of see how they've been doing? And I was like, Real Madrid. I haven't heard much about them, and I uh, I, I guess this is why, uh, because they they handled things like adults, um, and uh, <laughs> I might, might get flack for praising them a little bit, but um, that's all great. So another thing I want to talk about with you was, um, the, and part of this discussion coming up was like, you know, things were slow, right? So that before the league uh, was announced it was coming back, there was just a, kind of a lot of downtime. So we were picking up quotes from people, you know, we hadn't heard from in a long time. If if you wanted to get your name out there as like an ex-player manager, this was the time to do it. Um, and in particular, kind of two of the storylines that bubbled to the top was there was an ex-ref, you know, saying that, I think, gosh, what did he say? Like 80% of the referees are Real Madrid fans. And, yeah. and there was the former Barcelona president saying that the league would have ended if Real Madrid would have been up top. Um, I'm I'm well aware of the history of um, the Real Madrid, you know, favoritism from like the government side of things and all that stuff. I personally think um, both of these comments in particular are ridiculous. Uh, I think it's insane to think that if Real Madrid were at the top of the league, that they would have just chalked um, the advertising and TV deal stuff to end the league just because Real Madrid were at top. Um, I think it's ridiculous to think that 80% of the refs are Real Madrid fans, even if you like, I don't know, even if you think that some of the refs root for Real Madrid, like I, I think it's crazy to think that someone like a Lionel Messi or players at Atletico, like Griezmann when he was at Atleti, didn't get calls and didn't get the same sort of favoritism that a Real Madrid occasionally gets. Um, how do you view this kind of from the Real Madrid sort of things when you see comments like that, you know, saying that the league would end if Madrid were up top or that the refs are Madrid fans? Well, I mean, the, to say that the league would end if Real Madrid were top is just ridiculous. I mean, we all know why the league is resuming at this point. It's it's money. It's strictly financial. It has nothing to do with who's top and who's not. Um, Tebas has gone on to say that I believe he said it would be close to a billion, was it? It may not be that much, but it was... Sounds right. Yeah, just unfathomable amount of money which they would be losing um, if they didn't go through with the league. And you coupled that already. Uh, I was taking a look at, um, just the other week, I was taking a look at Real Madrid releases an annual report every year and just kind of the club success, what happened in the previous year, and they also reveal... Uh, their budget and what they plan to spend on things and what they expect to bring in. And um, they've done a great job over the last few years in diversifying where they get their revenue from. But still a huge portion of that is um, ticket sales, obviously, uh, stadium, like inside stadium sales, merchandise sale. So you take, I think it was 35%. And then another 20 or 25% was TV revenue. So then if you take out the TV revenue on top of those other two items, oh my God, all these clubs, I mean, you think about Barcelona having to take an air day, things are going to be, would be 10 times worse than they are now. Um, and just think about the impacts of these smaller clubs as well that don't have kind of the brand recognition um, and don't have the pull that Real Madrid and Barcelona do globally. I mean, they'll, they'll survive this. They'll be fine. They'll be implications for years to come but for smaller clubs they may not be able to even survive it so uh, i think that's why tebas has pushed so hard to make sure la liga returns and to make sure that um he does everything in his power to keep the players safe but 
to make sure that the league goes on. So I don't think in any way it was pot like I, it did not matter who was top Real Madrid, Barcelona, Atleti, Real Sociedad were top. It doesn't matter. They would have tried to find a way to continue the league. Right. And I think it's important to remember too, like, yes, it's like, it's for money, but it's also like for, for the survival of the league. Like you said, like how, yeah. how it impacts top clubs like Real Madrid and Barcelona, like they might be able to take pay cuts, you know, shift money around. Um, and it, you know, seeing how hard it impacts larger clubs, like you mentioned, the smaller clubs, like in the second division or um, smaller clubs in La Liga, uh, it's kind of hard to measure what sort of impacts. Um, and I don't know the financials of smaller clubs, right? But you can imagine if the TV deals, you know, how much of that impacts the Real Madrid budget and the Barcelona budget, like how much that impacts the smaller clubs. And kind of, I know in the Premier League in particular, like what that means for like a newly promoted club. And that, you know, once you have that influx of TV money um, consistently, it's difficult to cut that back and just, you know, adjust on the fly. So um, I personally think that I've actually been kind of impressed with how the larger European leagues have handled recently, not not so much in the beginning, particularly with Syria and the Premier League, but um, recently how they're kind of handling the return of their leagues, um, kind of the, the carefulness that they're putting in place, kind of looking at the overall plan that La Liga has for the amount of games that they're expecting to play. Um, do you do you like the direction they're going with the return? I think, I mean, surprisingly, I think La Liga has done an incredible job so far. Um, and, and that's, we can't always say that with La Liga, but I think they've done a really, really good job. It's been really thorough. Uh, the process and procedures have been clear. Um, we're on track now to, I mean, if anything, the timelines have only accelerated um, per the government's okay, which is which is great. I mean, that's been great news. And so I... I think we have to credit the Bundesliga for kind of showing the way and giving people, um, giving other leagues around the world as well, showing them that this can be done, that there is a way to do this. Um, and so we can we can kind of build off their model, and I think La Liga is doing that. And I think, yeah, I, I do think they've done a great job. We'll see if, I guess, the only concern from players, and I think Saul said it the other day, he's like, I'm not worried about the virus, I'm worried about getting injured. Uh, just because it's going to be so many games in such a short period of time, uh, I, La Liga is supposed to—we're supposed to have a game every single day for the next. I mean, as fans, we're not complaining, but it's definitely going to be a lot for the players, and hopefully, um, the, our respective managers, Kike Setien and Zidane, and all the managers are able to use those five subs well and rotate their squad. And it will be harder for the smaller guys, but um, hopefully. Hopefully they can stay fit. Yeah, and so it, that kind of leads perfectly into my next question. So um, I can't remember who on y'all's site wrote about this, but there was a piece kind of talking about the injuries and kind of how Real Madrid would handle it. Um, how do you think that Real Madrid is built in its current state to handle um, this sort of increased level of play um, and kind of the, I think like every three or four days, most of these clubs are going to be playing, which is just wild, um, especially at the, the high level that this is going to be. There's no midweek um, domestic cup to kind of take things off. How do you think this current Real Madrid roster is structured to handle that sort of stress? I, I think, I mean, I think the Real Madrid squad 
they can fill any holes that if any injuries come, they can fill the holes. I think the concern still, and this is what I t- told you right after the Classico, the concern is where the goal is going to come from. Where if Benzema is not firing, where the goal is going to come from, and that we've seen that uh, kind of over before the before the break, we saw Benzema start to slow down in 2020, and we were struggling, struggling to find goals. The great news. For Real Madrid fans, though, and what has been huge for us uh, given this break is it's allowed Hazard to fully recover and Marco Sensio to fully recover. Those are two, like as Mark and us will dub it every other week, those are like two new signings. So having those two guys back into the fold could be huge if if they come back and are fit enough to play, play some games, which it does from all reports so far. They're training fully. They're ready to go so we'll, we'll see I mean I don't know if they're going to be ready to start ma- every match or start a majority of matches but they should play a big big role and those two guys um, whether or not they have goals in them they do have the creativity to create easy chances for someone like Benzema to get back into his groove or Mariano who's now as Barcelona know getting getting some minutes so um, we'll we'll see. Hope the goals is what I'm concerned about, but overall squad, I think we got plenty of players. Plenty of it'll be a good chance for the young talent to come through as well. So um, as long as Zidane disperses the minutes, we should be fine. Yeah, and so I, you kind of brought up Eden Hazard. How do you? Um, what are your expectations for him? Like like you said, I think I think I read he's back in like full training. He's like they're they're preparing as if you know he's going to be available for the majority of stuff um if he's playing sort of like an every other game schedule initially uh based on his impact before he was injured do you foresee his insertion back into the Real Madrid fold as a simple one or do you think it's going to take some time I think it depends on where he's at um fitness wise and just where he's at along with his progression because Prior to his injury, the first time, I mean, if you think about the game against his game against PSG when he got the, the injury initially was his best game of the season. He was finally coming into his own, finally becoming that hazard that we've all seen at Chelsea. And Real Madrid fans were getting so excited. That was probably one of Real Madrid's, if not their best performance of the season. So you go from that to... Um, him getting injured again at the same ankle just a few weeks after coming back and again he he, we were all shocked at how fit he was when he came back um he looked fit he was starting games he played 60 minutes his first game back um and looked really good he was one of the best players on the pitch so if he comes back like that again uh we could be we could be in a good spot and i think he's the type of player he's got the talent that he can make the difference on any any given day. He can be that good. He's a game changer. And so if you have a player like Hazard coming back into your squad, it most certainly will make a difference. But it depends on what Hazard you're getting. If we're getting the Hazard from the beginning of the season who was slow to integrate, wasn't fit, and just didn't look, look his best, then uh, it's going to be hard for me to say he's going to be a, a real difference maker. So kind of getting into larger discussion of the rest of the season, um, what are your expectations for Real Madrid? Now, I, I think I thought a lot about what my expectations for Barcelona are, and I found more difficulty in um, 
perceiving like or predicting i guess how the rest of this season will go just because of the i think the uniqueness of the situation we find ourselves in um I think Barcelona's case with like Luis Suarez returning is kind of similar to the Eden Hazard and Asensio return, like you said, kind of like getting a new player. At the same time, um, age and impact of returning from those injuries is going to be interesting to see. But you know, just you know, looking at things as the kind of the best we can with the information we have. How do you see the remainder of the season going for Real Madrid? Well, I take a look at the Bundesliga, and we've seen there that without fans, home field advantage basically is null. And so I initially, prior to the coronavirus outbreak, thought that Barcelona had the more difficult away schedule um, to finish La Liga. Now that that is basically not a non-factor, I think Barcelona probably edge it. Uh, and it's because of that Betis loss that Real Madrid had. I think that's going to be, to this day, one of the... I mean, Real Madrid's going to fall on that sword. They didn't bring it in that game. They they weren't prepared. And uh, they dropped two valuable, valuable points. Um, so... That's where I think uh, I think the fact that there's no fans is is going to make a huge difference. I think the way Barcelona play too is it's going to tire out opponents um, because they're obviously going to be on the ball. Uh, teams aren't going to be quite as fit. I mean, we forget that Real Madrid and Barcelona have even more of an advantage um, just because their players, unlike players at some of the smaller clubs have all the facilities in their home to stay fit during this quarantine period. So they had the gym, they had treadmills, they have an outdoor, usually outdoor facilities where they can run or kick around the ball. And some of these other guys living in um, or in smaller clubs just have a small apartment or a flat or something like that. And so they only have so much. I I read an interview from Carlos Soler saying he had to buy a treadmill and weights and everything like that. He didn't have it all available. And so not everyone's going to be that uh, in a position where they could fit a treadmill and weights and gym and stuff like that into their apartment. So um, I think that's another advantage to Real Madrid and Barcelona. And I think because there is no, um, no fans, Barcelona's schedule now looks, looks easier than Real Madrid's. Yeah, I'd have to agree with that. Um, and sorry if you hear the rumble beneath me. I'm right above the garage door. So, you know, anytime no someone comes in or out, you hear it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I think you brought up a good point with Barcelona's away schedule because I think if when right before, you know, COVID-19, all that stuff, looking at the remainder of the season, there were a lot of difficult away matches for Barcelona. And I have yet to really dive into like the schedule and what's left. So um, I can't speak to specific matches, but I do remember that being a key storyline. Um Matt, I don't really have anything else for you. This was a, I just kind of wanted to catch up, see how Real Madrid were doing. Um, I think the the most fascinating thing I'm going to be watching is, like you mentioned with Asensio and Hazard returning, how that impacts kind of the goal scoring capabilities of Real Madrid. Um, because I do remember you mentioning that after the Clasicos, like where do the goals come from? Uh, and that's certainly going to be impactful for Real Madrid. And um, from the Barcelona side, I know like the return of Suarez with like the somewhat, uh, somewhat, interesting uh braithwaite edition um 
seeing how kind of those two can uh, help take some of the load off of Messi and uh, Griezmann a little bit is going to be interesting. So Matt, I appreciate you joining me. Um, be sure to check out managingmadrid.com. Um, and yeah, that's all I got. Appreciate it, Matt. Hey, yeah, no, Josh, thank you. Take care.